Welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. Good to have your company. I am Caroline Heim and today's episode is on gratitude, what it is and the numerous mental and physical health benefits. Now, Dr. Heim has just published a book on gratitude actually called The Science of Radical Gratitude. So we thought that we would share a chapter of it with you. So I will be reading from chapter one, The Science of Gratitude. Here we go. So how's your part of the world been lately? A life-threatening challenge? Yep. As a psychiatrist, however, I know that your quality of life depends more on what goes on inside your head than what goes on in the world. Your thoughts, feelings, and how you react to world events make up your experience of life. This is scientific fact. Gratitude helps you and me negotiate our inner lives, even amidst the outer conflict. You can live in this world and complain about it and worry about it inside your head or live in this world and feel some genuine hope and gratitude inside your head. Seriously. Welcome to Cultivating the Attitude of Gratitude. In my clinical practice, I have worked with people who can cultivate an attitude of gratitude despite having experienced heinous suffering and trauma. That's radical. I've also worked with people who remain bitter in the face of trivialities. What could we call that? Here, I'm looking to unearth real gratitude from the muddy deluge of pretend positive thinking, hopeful theories, always look on the bright side of life, stoic denial, delusional hype, fake it till you make it, and social pretense. These are things that we psychiatrists call repression and denial. Not facing up to life's grim realities by burying difficult emotions, like burying your head in the sand. Gratitude is not always look on the bright side of things, emphasize the positive or find something good in everything. Sometimes life isn't good. Sometimes we get pain we don't deserve. It helps to be realistic and deal with it. All of life, however, strives for life. Every beetle, butterfly and human who has life wants more of it. Striving puts in effort to overcome problems, pain and suffering. As you painfully strive, however, you can still be grateful for life itself. Gratitude isn't delusional hype. Life is great. Life is great. Life is great when you feel that it isn't. It isn't a brave, stoic mask. You can fool others, but you can't fool yourself. That's why we need to dig, to go digging for something genuine. Digging is painful and we pass layers of increasing hardship, but maybe we can find a few nuggets, a a lotus that rises from muddy depths, a gemstone that shines beautifully after painful polishing. Gratitude isn't desperate hope that something good may come of this. Something good may come, but it may not. What good came out of World War I? The Vietnam War or the Holocaust? It would always have been better if they hadn't happened at all. So let's get real. 
we're never grateful for World War I itself. But we can be grateful that some people found humanity and life amidst the suffering. Our gratefulness in remembering how precious life is could help prevent World War III. To be grateful amidst suffering and darkness, not for suffering, is a high art. To pull it off, you need to dig deep to find something genuine. You need to dig to the root of life itself. You're alive. Life itself is undeserved goodness. It's a mystery, a free gift, carried in soldier songs, surgeon skills, cars that don't explode, friends help, and in butterflies' wings. So let's say it again. Gratitude is noticing life's undeserved goodness and sharing it further. Objection! Hey doc, I, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask for the pain, hurt and suffering. Why should I put up with it? Same objection, but it's the problem of suffering that we can't understand, not the problem of undeserved goodness. Unless we find a way to stop all pain and suffering, it's a matter of focus. I'm sure you didn't ask for the joy, love, contentment and beauty, but they happen too. You experience both sides of life and more. But where will you put your focus? What moves you forward with more contentment? Having to choose where you put your focus is what makes gratitude difficult to cultivate. We easily get into anger, resentment and bitterness, but joy, contentment and peace? Oof, much more difficult to sustain. It takes effort. Gratitude is noticing life's undeserved goodness to share life further, works as a definition. But a more poetic way of thinking of gratitude may be this. When I think of all that goes wrong and all that I've suffered, and when I think of all that goes right and all I have enjoyed, it's still wonderful to be alive. I'm grateful enough to life to want to share its goodness further. That life exists at all, and we did nothing to bring ourselves into existence, is an awesome perspective to keep. That's the conclusion of many people with whom I've worked who've almost lost their life but live to tell their tale. They know how painful and joyful life can be. Life and the people we share it with are precious. We can't be grateful for suffering, but we can be grateful for the realisation of how precious life is. It took the suffering of World War I to learn its lessons. Gratitude could avert World War III. Idealistic? Sure. Realistically worth thinking about. You can still be grateful for life when someone close dies, when you love but lose, or when you suffer a setback. The pain in each is born out of goodness gone wrong. Losing love hurts because of the love that you shared. A setback is painful because there is so much to achieve. Pain and suffering highlights the goodness previously taken for granted. All fortune and misfortune is set in the greater context of life, a free gift. After pain or during pain, we notice life's goodness and it becomes more precious. Life is a free gift. So we looked at definitions. Now for the science. Uh, just a little aside, however. What is radical gratitude? Radical gratitude is a term I've coined. 
We'll delve deeper into this in the last chapter after confronting the surprising connection between suffering and gratitude. But here, I want to introduce you to the idea that cultivating an attitude of gratitude is beneficial, logical, and supported by recent science. In this world of change, uncertainty, and growing conflict, gratitude flies in the face of our current cultural cynicism. Keeping an attitude of gratitude then is radically different from what we expect as usual. The science. What are the mental health benefits of gratitude? Research looks into three different but related types of gratitude. Number one, habitual focus on things to be grateful for. Number two, gratitude as a personality characteristic. And number three, gratitude as a behavior towards people. For the sake of this book, however, gratitude is gratitude. You can focus on it as a habit, see it as part of your personality or as a chosen behavior. Whatever, my sole aim is to encourage you to cultivate more of it in your life. Gratitude may be part of your personality or not, but focusing on things to be grateful for will increase your gratitude towards others. This takes effort and this book will provide you with a method for it. So I'm going to get drier with words now. Let's picturesque butterflies and uh, more stats and studies. Boring, but important. Science is serious. It's our go-to place to answer the question, how do we know? We want to hit reality. Strap in for this scientific ride as we explore the question, how do we know that gratitude is good for you? So, in 2001, the scientific community was blissfully unaware of the health benefits of gratitude. One study casually noted that gratitude might be relevant to well-being. Yeah, right, thought the white coat set of the scientific elite. The study revealed that gratitude, extolled by religious and philosophical thinkers for millennia, was by and largely neglected by the scientific community. The study theorized that gratitude could help us become more pro-social and aid our collective survival. This meant that it may be worth studying. Subsequent researchers took on the challenge and in 15 short years, our scientific understanding of gratitude changed radically, as we shall see. In 2003, a study by Watkins and team showed that gratitude protects people against depression because it lifts mood and improves well-being. Wow, that's impressive. Whoops, too much excitement, back to my dry academic tone. Interesting. My curiosity is aroused. Such claims, however, would need to be scientifically verified and replicated before I took them seriously. I then have to discuss results with my colleagues before seriously recommending something as trite as gratitude to anyone. Gratitude, however, if it helps, is side effect free and freely available as opposed to antidepressants or psychotherapy. If proven effective, it could be used to help prevent mental illness in the first place. That's what the 2003 Watkins study showed. Pause for a moment to reflect. Gratitude protects against depression, lifts mood and improves well-being. Very encouraging. As a psychiatrist, by the time somebody gets to see me with depression, they've seen a generalist physician or a family doctor, have trialed two or more antidepressants and have had six to 12 sessions with a good psychologist. Wouldn't it be great if we could prevent the mental illness in the first place? This is preventative mental health, stopping the illness before it starts. 
As an aside, there are a few things that have been scientifically shown to prevent mental illness. It helps to know them. Surround yourself with love and people. Exercise. Find meaning and purpose in life. Avoid addictions and, as far as you can, avoid trauma. We can now add one more. Practice gratitude. I'll offer you an acronym to help you remember all of this. It's Agape Love. A-G-A-P-E, love. A, avoid all addictions. G, gratitude, practice it. A, avoid trauma. P, purpose and meaning, find them in life. E, exercise. And L, love. Love people and be close to them. Okay, back to the studies. Since the 2003 Watkin study, many studies have shown the positive effects of gratitude. I'm going to include them in this book. Each of these studies that I include document their conservatively drawn conclusions based on up to 100 previous studies each. In effect, our current knowledge of gratitude is based on thousands of studies. The idea of gratitude having positive benefits for well-being is scientifically very well supported even if the idea is very recent. So, gratitude has been shown to help young people and the elderly. It has benefits for self-acceptance, personal relationships and pro-social behaviour, and it helps sleep. It protects against anxiety and depression, it protects mental health and protects professionals against burnout. Protecting against burnout, mm, no small point. Gratitude benefits people on both sides of the helper-helped-person relationship. So many people need mental health interventions, yet the workers are few. According to trend projections, this situation will worsen greatly in coming decades. Imagine for a moment a society with more gratitude. Less people seeking mental health services and providers being able to cope better themselves. Well, at least not burning out. According to the scientific evidence, as idealistic as it sounds, a more grateful society would have less mental illness. My colleagues, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, counsellors, nursing staff, emergency personnel, allied health professionals, community workers and more, really wouldn't mind if they had to cut back their hours. Imagine the headlines. Mental health industry hit hard by new wave of gratitude. Training now. Warm, generous smiles. Depression and mental health rates hit all-time low. Government inject funds to avert crisis for big pharmaceutical companies. Gratitude not only helps prevent mental illness, it has proven benefits for the business world. It increases job satisfaction, creates more harmonious workplace, and enhances effective leadership by helping make leaders appreciate contrasting views and opinions. Thanks for that. Thanks for your input. It helps us move forward together rather than being torn apart. Gratitude begets gratitude and can be passed down to children. The vast majority of studies show positive benefits to gratitude, but surely not all. There must be some dissenters. Yes, very few, but hey, let's look at these. One study suggests that gratitude may be coupled with negative feelings of indebtedness from people who receive something undeserved. Well, this is logical, but just, just don't stop being kind because someone you helped out may feel indebted to you as well as feeling grateful. 
Other studies show that it's not gratitude itself which helps, but the optimism or positive mood generated by gratitude. Fair enough. But hey, I don't see a problem with this. Benefit still stems from gratitude. Those same studies show that gratitude does generate optimism and positive mood. Rather than being dissenting studies, all these studies underline the evidence of gratitude's benefits. I have not found a single study suggesting that gratitude is harmful, and overdosing on gratitude is unlikely to be a problem. A more recent study suggests that although gratitude does enhance happiness, we may be overstating its benefits. So the study agrees that gratitude is good, just hey, don't go over the top with it. Hmm, possibly, I see the point. This study does admit that gratitude has proven benefit. It only warns us not to get too excited. So let me put in this little disclaimer. One scientific study suggests that we don't get too excited about gratitude as you may only get a little bit more well-being rather than a whole lot. <laughs> Still, you won't know unless you try it. If you stop, you won't get any health benefits. What I do believe is that cultivating the attitude of gratitude takes much more effort than we would like and people tend not to get excited about having to put in effort. Even after practicing the techniques set out in this book, you may find suboptimal improvement in your levels of gratitude and it may take years. My clinical experience tells me, however, your results will be proportional to the amount of effort that you invest. You'll get out what you put in. In 2010, a study announced that gratitude causes well-being. Now, this is a significant step. In science, it's much more difficult to say X causes Y than say X and Y occur together. Owning an ashtray and being diagnosed with lung cancer occur together. But owning an ashtray doesn't cause lung cancer. They're only linked. Here's the argument of the 2010 study. Gratitude increases well-being and more gratitude increases well-being more. This is what is called a dose-response relationship. Increased gratitude equals increased well-being, just like smoke more increase just like smoke more equals increased chance of heart and lung disease, or increased medication equals lower blood pressure. As the study demonstrated, a dose-response relationship speaks in favour of a causal relationship. The study also demonstrated a logical time relationship, gratitude first, well-being soon afterwards. A logical time relationship also strengthens the case for gratitude causing well-being. Gratitude before increased well-being, like smoke cigarettes before lung cancer, not after, and take medication before lower blood pressure, not after. By 2013, mounting evidence prompted researchers to call upon the development of therapies based solely on gratitude. Since then, studies have delineated finer detail of gratitude's benefits. Taken together, this is strong, persuasive, scientific evidence that gratitude works. Gratitude, previously a scientifically neglected topic, is now an integral part of positive psychology. Gratitude, previously a scientifically neglected topic, is now an integral part of positive psychology, as articulated by Seligman. Positive psychology aims to help prevent mental illness. Positive emotions like gratitude undo stress and strain on our nervous systems. Gratitude, says Barbara Fredrickson, 
is one of 10 positive emotions that help us broaden and build rather than just survive. Broaden to be more open and to learn about life. Build good relationships to others, yourself and your body. Gratitude is an integral part of the preventative mental health effort. Aside from improving subjective well-being and helping prevent mental illness, gratitude also leads to physical health benefits. Let's look at these. How can gratitude improve physical health? How positive thoughts and feelings lead to better physical health is a large and growing area of scientific research. Better feelings and optimistic thinking lead to better physical health. But the mechanism, well, how does this happen? It's actually still unknown. It is a watch this space area. Next chapter, I'll introduce you to what may be going on inside your brain with gratitude. But here, I'm going to talk to you about gratitude's direct effects on the body. According to studies, gratitude promotes good sleep, encourages exercises, helps the nervous system and lowers blood pressure. Let's have a look at each of those. Gratitude promotes sleep in quantity and quality. It leaves you feeling more refreshed after a night's sleep. This is no small thing, as getting less than seven hours sleep a night increases your chances of catching a cold threefold. Hey, that's well worth remembering. Better sleep means better physical health. People who practice gratitude have less worrying thoughts just before dozing off. And this is probably why they sleep better. Gratitude encourages exercise. Gratitude encourages exercise. College students, two groups. One group keeps a list of things to be grateful for. The other keeps a list of things that irritate them. The grateful group exercise for longer and harder. The other group poops out more. The health benefits of exercise are overwhelming. So if gratitude motivates people to exercise, it leads to better health. Gratitude helps the nervous system. There are two sides to our autonomic nervous system, activating the fight or flight sympathetic nervous system, which increases heart rate, breathing rate, and pumps blood to your arms and legs for running energy, is stressful. Whereas activation of the rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system, which lowers heart rate, slows down breathing, and pumps blood to your stomach to digest, is rejuvenating. Gratitude activates your rest and digest response to leave you feeling more chilled and less stressed. The health benefits of this are enormous. Less heart strain, less chronic inflammation, less atherosclerosis and more. Gratitude lowers blood pressure. People with high blood pressure were asked to list things for which they were grateful. They were compared to people who had usual treatment without the gratitude list. Over 10 weeks, people with gratitude dropped their blood pressure significantly more. Gratitude also has two indirect positive effects on the body. Gratitude makes you more sociable and facilitates help seeking. Let's look at those two. Gratitude makes you more sociable. Many studies attest to the link between being sociable and better mental and physical health outcomes. Gratitude means by definition that you appreciate people more and consequently people will appreciate you more. You want to be around them more and they will want to be around you more. That's being more sociable. Being sociable relieves the chronic stress that leads to poor immune function, poor cardiovascular flow, and more hormone function. This leads to better health. Gratitude facilitates help seeking. People who appreciate life take care of themselves. 
If they have a problem, they'll seek help for it, from doctors or from others. As they're more sociable, they have more contacts to draw upon for help. So how does gratitude benefit physical health? It improves subjective well-being, it leads to better sleep, it encourages exercise, gratitude means less stress and lower blood pressure, and gratitude makes people more sociable and more likely to seek help when needed. No study has found that gratitude harms physical health. How does gratitude work? Science cannot say that if you follow any gratitude intervention that you'll definitely become a physically healthier person with increased well-being, but the evidence indicates that it is highly likely. So how does this happen? What is the mechanism? Here are researchers' main ideas. Grateful people are born that way. Gratitude as a personality trait helps people value the help given to them by others. Grateful people experience less stress. Hey, and that's always good for subjective well-being and physical health. Grateful people cope better. Grateful people seek out help, friends, social supports, and community supports. They're more sociable and more pleasant. They treat others well. Grateful people focus on what goes right, and this helps them to deal with things that go wrong. Grateful people feel more positive. Positive emotions are generally good for mental health. Grateful people are biased towards positive emotions and remembering positive life events. This helps them to feel better. Gratitude neutralizes toxic comparisons. Comparing yourself with others can lead to envy and unhappiness. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, but always there will be greater and less people than yourselves. But with gratitude, if you compare yourself with others, you may become humble as you compare yourselves with greater people and thankful as you compare yourselves with those less fortunate. You grow to be happy over the good fortune of others as well as over your own. Gratitude helps you reach your goals. Grateful people appreciate life more and are more energized and more enthusiastic about achieving their goals. So they go for them more and achieve them more. Grateful people tend to be spiritual. Spiritual people tend to have enhanced physical and mental well-being. Hundreds of studies attest to this. Religions and spiritual systems encourage gratitude, relationships and community over materialism. Now, many people will say, Oh no, I wasn't born with gratitude. I'm not that positive. I'm not spiritual. Ugh, I'm doomed. I put it to you that even if you're not born grateful or spiritual, you can still learn to become more grateful. Being grateful is a skill to be learned and practiced. That's what chapters three and four are all about. In my clinical practice, I have seen people learn to become more grateful and enjoy better lives. Gratitude is for everyone. But let's get some obstacles out of the way first. Why is being grateful so damn difficult? In reaching for anything worthwhile, you'll find obstacles in the way. In the way of gratitude lies excessive narcissism, cynicism, materialism, and envy. I say excessive because there is some narcissism, cynicism, materialism, and envy in all of us. Hey, sorry about that. Let's take a closer look. Let's say someone does something good for you or gives you a gift. 
feeling gratitude for someone's gift to you presupposes three very important things. It presupposes that you see that the good done is valuable, it came at a cost, and it was done out of a good intention. Excessive narcissism, cynicism, materialism, and envy get in the way of these. Envious people appreciate gifts less as their green eyes are always looking for something better. Well, that's nice, but surely I could be doing better. <sighs> I want what they've got. Narcissism blinds some of us from seeing things as gifts. <laughs> I'm entitled to stuff anyway. I should be treated as special. Life owes me. This is invaluable. I want more. Materialists place things above people and don't see good done as valuable. Huh, they could easily afford that. Cynics question others' motives rather than seeing a gift as given out of a good intention. Hmm, what do they really want from me? What's their ulterior motive? That's it in a nutshell, but let's go further. Narcissism. Narcissists feel entitled to privilege, feel superior and have high expectations of others. This all leads to less gratitude. Narcissism, unfortunately, is on the rise in our society, so gratitude and subjective well-being could well be failing. This is supported by the evidence showing that rates of almost all forms of mental illness are rising. All of us have some narcissism. This is based on a natural survival instinct. Nobody wants to be the gazelle taken by the lion. So we put our own needs first and before others. That's essentially selfish. Also, our brains arrange the universe with ourselves as the center. Too much of this, however, becomes taking care of number one, me, gimme, gimme, me first, I want it, I want it. Decades of increased prosperity has contributed to this. People who grew up during the Great Depression feel more grateful than people who grew up during the affluent 50s who are more grateful than people who grew up in the prosperous 80s and beyond. Our expectations and self-entitlement are shaped by society's prosperity. We each need to keep our innate and society-fueled narcissism in check to value the good others do for us. Cynicism. Cynics question others' motives. They think that others do things out of self-gain only. They're suspicious and less likely to see the good done as a free gift. They tend to criticize and put others down. This is all very incompatible with an attitude of gratitude. Narcissism and cynicism feed off each other. We're not all cynics, but we're all prone to be a little critical, distrustful, skeptical, and suspicious at times. This is fueled by alone time on screens, our people disconnect and growing alienation and distrust in a sea of strangers. On first meeting a stranger, suspicion and alienation are natural. It takes time to trust and feel comfortable. Gratitude helps in this. Cynicism works against it. To cultivate the attitude of gratitude, we need to work against cynicism. Materialism. Materialists are, by definition, interested in the pleasure of things above people. They tend not to be grateful for the simple pleasures of life, butterflies and baby smiles but are focused on more costly material pleasures and pleasurable experiences. This inhibits gratitude for life's small wonders, and it stands in the way of valuing little things done by others out of kindness. We're all materialists. Just try doing without your mobile or cell, 
watch or car for a week. We naturally feel better if we do better materially. A promotion, a bigger house, more money, toys, clothes, holidays, and so forth. Materialism, however, comes with side effects, dissatisfaction and less time for people. Studies show that decades of prosperity haven't resulted in increased happiness, but we've seen a surge in mental illness and suicide. Does this reflect the real association between materialism and happiness? We don't know. Putting products before people, however, means less gratitude. Economic downturns aren't great, but they're opportunities for us to be more grateful and to value each other more. Envy. The more envious you are, the less grateful you are for what you have. You tend to miss out on valuing the good or the gifts given to you. Envy is a toxic emotion resulting from comparisons. Most people's solutions to this is, huh, don't compare yourself with others. <laughs> but life is full of comparisons. Sports, job performance, status, artistic merit and more. So people try not to compare themselves with others, but fail. Aim to give yourself choice. When comparing yourself with others, choose to be humble when someone's doing better and thankful when you're doing well. Narcissism, cynicism, materialism and envy don't actually gel with the attitude of gratitude. But there is one more obstacle. Not believing in free choice. Not believing in choice inhibits gratitude. I don't mean the philosophical, do we have free will or is all behavior the result of chemical reactions, but the practical, I have the power to choose for myself on a daily basis. 98% of us believe we have this power and studies show that the other 2% are less capable of gratitude. To be grateful, we need to see that others do things out of good intention and choice. That way we value it. To be grateful, we need to realize that good was done, it came at a cost, and it was done out of good intention. We have to keep narcissism, cynicism, materialism, envy, and fatalism in check. Becoming grateful involves their opposites. Selflessness, trust, valuing people over things, humility, and our ability to choose. How to get these things into your life will be discussed in chapter three. Who achieves an attitude of gratitude? In my clinical experience, I've encountered three groups of people who genuinely achieve the attitude of gratitude. One, people who are born with a grateful personality. Number two, people who have a close brush with mortality. And number three, people who with effort cultivate the attitude of gratitude. Let's go through those. People who are born with gratitude. Some studies show that gratitude may be a personality trait just like extroversion, conscientiousness or openness. You feel it in the presence of someone who seems to possess it in abundance. Huh, I was just born grateful like my mother. People in this group aren't even listening to this book. They never thought to pick it up because they don't need it. They naturally have this gratitude thing all figured out. Neither you nor I are in this group. People who have a brush with mortality. The reality of death can hit anyone at any time. Cancer, car accidents, major heart attacks, losing someone close. Suddenly, life becomes very precious. 
Gee, it's great to see you again, Christian. I hope I haven't been too much of a bother. I can't believe how I took things for granted, but hey, everything's changed. 52-year-old Sam used to be angry and depressed. He had a massive heart attack and was not expected to survive. He recovered fully. Now he's polite and grateful. Life's second chance became precious to him. One of the happiest people in his wife is Jackie, who used to get yelled at often. Now she's enjoying a much gentler Sam. This has continued for years. Thank you, doctor. Thank you very much. Parents of 16-month-old Tiana were relieved and grateful. Tiana was brought into ED with a high fever and dehydration. I was a junior doctor at that time. I ran some tests and discussed her case with a senior doctor. I administered pain relief, which relieved the fever. She was kept in for observation as she began to drink water. Tiana's parents thought she was going to die. Seeing her well aroused deep gratitude in the parents when, in reality, I did very little. A brush with mortality is a personal experience and each person reacts uniquely. Most of us live with the healthy delusion that death is far away. For people brushed by mortality, this delusion vanishes. Life gains new significance, often with a genuine attitude of gratitude. But don't wait for a brush with mortality to cultivate gratitude. Again, people with this experience probably aren't listening to this book, or perhaps they realise how important gratitude is and want to know more about it. People who cultivate the attitude of gratitude. The third group who achieve gratitude are people like you and me. Not grateful by nature, but strongly confronted by mortality. Who need to cultivate the attitude of gratitude and decided to do it. The rest of this book is to help us achieve this through understanding brain chemicals, a psychological tool and neuroplasticity. This chapter explored the definition of gratitude and its underlying meaning. It also looked at the scientific evidence for gratitude and its benefits, as well as obstacles to overcome. The next chapter aims to help you experience gratitude directly and understand how gratitude works through chemicals in your brain. Chapter three presents a method to practice gratitude daily. Chapter four invites you to make gratitude part of your brain's hard wiring. And chapter five confronts the connection between gratitude and suffering. We individually can't change the world, but we can change our mental states with the attitude of gratitude. As a psychiatrist, I have confidence in the science of gratitude and how it protects against depression to lift mood and enhance well-being. It has no side effects and it can be taken with or without food. So that's the end of chapter one. We're grateful that you listened to it. If you'd like to read the book, it's an ebook on Amazon. There's a link just below. Or you can find it on our website, drchristianheim.com. Catch you next time.